0: Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. We are blessed to have with us today Jeff Campbell of the Diocesan Social Action Office. Welcome to St. Basil's, Jeff. I also want to welcome uh, our social action director for the diocese, uh, Diane Zabasnik as well, um, here towards the front row. So i um, glad to have her support here as well. Just want to thank the social concerns commission for the invitation. Diane and I were at a meeting at, uh, at uh, Barb Bielovich's house um, a few months ago as they were discerning uh, how to Uh, carry out the call of Laudato Si and care for God's creation as a theme this year for the Social Concerns Commission. Uh, And what a beautiful way to start off that theme this year uh, with this mass, um, to gather in prayer, uh, much as uh, Laudato Si calls us to. Um, Because it's, uh, what I'll point out to you over the next several slides is that Pope Francis is not just simply, and also in some ways, as Father Walt pointed out about St. Francis of Assisi, that this isn't just about being environmentalists who happen to go to church as well, It's about our love relationship with God uh, as we live it out in relationship with Christ uh, and and then relationship with each other and the world. Um, But trying to look at some themes uh, that lie at the roots of Laudato Si, um, I'm just titling these reflections as I do uh, most of my talks about Laudato Si, Encountering God and Healing Creation in Laudato Si. Encountering God and Healing Creation in Laudato Si. Everything is connected and everything is a caress of God. And most of those sections of the title in one way or another are excerpts of quotes from the encyclical. So first and foremost, this is encounter with God. This is about our relationship with God, about God being the author of all creation. It's also about that humanity is a privileged and special creation in all all of creation that's been given self-consciousness, awareness, Uh, choiceful responsibility, a sense of morality, ethic relationship, intelligence, uh, faith, and reason, all of which to use at the service of fulfilling God's uh, act of creation and accompanying creation in their fulfillment so Cardinal Peter Turkson uh, from uh, Ghana, West Africa, he's the head of what now is the Dicastery for Integral Ecology uh, at the Vatican. It used to be the Pontifical Council for Peace and Justice. Pope Francis did a little shuffling around and renaming of Pontifical Councils as Dicastery so that they might actually work a little bit more integrally together. Uh, so. Cardinal Turkson uh, was one of the leading contributors um, to Pope Francis's work and research and compiling of works uh, from the different bishops conferences from all around the world. And so Cardinal Turkson, when he talks about Laudato Si, he talks about the seven C's of Laudato Si. And he starts off with saying that this encyclical is completely within the continuity of all the church's social and moral teaching and faith teaching. So it's in complete continuity with the magisterium of the church. And as I get in the next slide, I'll show uh, one way in which some, a few people have reacted to Laudato Si to suggest that somehow it's not in full continuity in the, with the full teaching of the church, but it certainly is. And um, then in terms of collegiality, um, if you've done much academic reading at all, if you've worked towards an advanced degree or just if you're a pretty avid reader, uh, you might know that at times it's really important to pay attention to the footnotes. In Laudato Si, if you pay attention to the footnotes, you'll find that at least half, if not more like two thirds of the footnotes are excerpts and quotes from bishops' conferences from the poorest places on the planet. The Bishops' Conference of Africa, the Bishops' Conferences of Latin America, the Bishops' Conference of Asia, the Bishops' Conference of the South Pacific. How profound an example of servant leadership and also listening and dialogue within the church, but to be in dialogue with the bishops' conferences in the poorest places in the world. That's a tremendous witness and example that's woven into the fabric of Laudato Si' that we should not underestimate because as far as our global conversation, or in some ways lack thereof, around our current climate circumstances and ecological crisis, There's not enough dialogue going on, and Pope Francis is witnessing to the dialogue that he's calling for. So a wonderful example of collegiality in the church. Another theme is care, that this isn't just about environmental stewardship or energy efficiency and land conservation. It's about relational care. The word relationship is actually used 67 times in Laudato Si out of a a 111-page document. So more than every other page has the word relationship uh, in it. And that relationship is to be marked with care. And we heard in the gospel, basically, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Same sentence, no punctuation, same idea, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we tend to be so quickly um, wrote in our uh, recitation of love God, love self, love neighbor. And really what Pope Francis is suggesting to us is to consider adding on to that very much in the spirit of the gospel, Christ's example, and the teaching of the church, Love God, love self, love neighbor, and same sentence, no punctuation, and all of creation. In some ways, I think he's asking us to add to our kind of Catholic common parlance to love all creation, to love God, love self, love neighbor, and all creation. As I mentioned about the collegiality with the footnotes and Pope Francis and Cardinal Turkson being in dialogue with the bishops' conferences from the poorest parts of the world. That conversation is actually emphasized throughout uh, chapter uh, five, I, I believe. Chapter five has several uh, strong emphases on dialogue that run throughout the chapter. And it's about conversation happening at every part uh, of, and level of society. And, and especially between the faith community, between organized religion, and also the scientific community. So, But then also conversation with indigenous peoples and in the poorest countries on the planet. Pope Francis, early on in the encyclical, says that this is a conversation that is relevant to everyone. It affects the entire planet, all people and all things on it. And therefore, it has to be a conversation that includes everyone. And Pope Francis is so um, uh, is so adamant about uh, dialogue as a method in the church and also in the world and our global circumstances and in this instance as well. Another C is contemplation. Uh, Laudato C actually is very contemplative. Uh, in some ways, you could even describe parts of it, especially uh, I would, what I would suggest is if you read anything is start with chapter two, perhaps. Uh, it's called the Gospel of Creation. And sections of it are citing different saints and different bishops' conferences. And the language is so poetic that I would describe it as theo poetry, theology that has such a, such a rhythm and such a depth and such a heartfelt uh, uh, consolation to it that I would describe it as theo poetry, theo poetry, and just one example uh, there is listed there from section eighty four, paragraph eighty four. The entire material universe speaks of God's love. Everything is, as it were, a caress of God. Just beautiful, just beautiful, like some who came in uh, just before mass and pointed out the sunset and saying that. We almost don't even need to say anything today about this mass and care for God's creation because the sunset in some ways speaks for itself. And when creation offers that glimpse of God and that gift and grace of God for us, then creation is a is a medium and a messenger, but it's also the subject as well in this uh, Act of creation in expressing um, the beauty, the grandeur, the the graciousness, the the, um, the generosity, and the love of God. The last see that Cardinal Turkson mentions is citizenship. That we need to see ourselves more and more as ecological citizens. That we're not only citizens of a nation state, and he's not uh, trying to tear down our current global structure of nation states or challenge anybody's nationality, but that we're also to see ourselves as ecological citizens. We are citizens of a planet. Basically, we are. We are active members who are called to a level of participation and responsibility. And that seems pretty understandable. We are, act, we are called to be active members in participation and in responsibility because much of this earth, um, in the church's teaching, we would look at th- uh, realities such as air and water and soil um, and global climate as universal goods or shared commons. No nation state owns all the air. No nation state owns all the water. No nation state owns all the soil. It's it's a shared commons. It's a universal good. And the church teaching and social teaching has always seen that realities like that are a shared commons. Now, I just also want to point out whenever I speak about Laudato Si that there are some myths, unfortunate myths about Laudato Si, and it's important to probably clear the air on this before we get too much into the details of it. But there are some of the church, I mentioned Cardinal Turkson's first C about continuity with the teaching and magisterium of the church. We've gotten feedback from a few parishes say we didn't really th- we haven't really thought much about Laudato C yet. Some people have said because they don't find it, um, or they have heard at least, they haven't necessarily read it, but they've heard that somehow it is not fully consistent with the church, with the church's respect life teaching. That's not true at all. Not true at all. And actually, if you read it, what you'll find is that Pope Francis is certainly fully upholding our church's life teaching and respect life ethic. And in fact, he's in dialogue with the scientific community, with some non-governmental organizations, where at any time when the conversation begins about climate change, one of the first issues they talk about is population human population, overcrowding, and they begin to talk about other answers or what they would wait what they would argue as other answers of population control, meaning either abortion on a larger scale or uh, contraception. And Pope Francis is saying that actually if we practice the church's teaching if we practice uh, greater uh, uh, equity and justice in our individual and uh, social relationships and economic and political relationships with each other, and if we practice what he, uh, the term that he uses is integral development, integral development, that we have a more just and equitable economy. If we practice that, and what I'll point out is just even with, an the example of Catholic relief services, one of the first things they do in any community that they work in is they focus on the education and life opportunities for the mothers and the women and the girls. Because of global disparities in education, uh, learning and economic opportunity and health between uh Females and males and boys and girls around the world that if, um, that when uh girls get a better education and when mothers receive uh are are trained in literacy and receive some economic opportunity, uh, what they end up doing is they uh it helps protect the health and well being of the entire family, so more lives are saved. It also means that when there's more economic opportunity in the family for the women, that the family itself discerns. Um, that they don't need perhaps as many children. And they do that in the, their own conscience and in, you know, their own um without necessarily needing contraception um, to um and practicing you know natural family planning. Um, they'll have less children because in many low-income circumstances, and, and especially when there's dire poverty, families will have more children because of the fear that in their later years that there will that some of their children will die of disease or of in childbirth. Um, and therefore they need to have more children to make sure that at least some of the children survive into their later years. And if we practice integral development that uh, promotes greater health and well-being for uh, the girls and the mother and the children, uh, life is... Uh, uh, safer. Um, Life isn't as scarce or threatened. Um, And so there's ends up being in in many countries where this happens and in many communities, a little bit more of a balancing uh, of population without needing to use any um, practice at all that's in contradiction with church teaching. Uh, Another myth uh, that happens uh, that has been spoken about Laudato Si is saying that Laudato Si somehow divinizes uh, nature um, and animals and uh, as we heard from uh, uh, Father Waltz uh, praying uh, the uh, canticle of the creatures from St. Francis, and even on our closing hymn, that the language is, be to you, O Lord, for the gifts of the sun and moon and water and fire and the animals. Praise be to you. That's actually where the Italian name Laudato Si comes from, is from the opening lines and each line in uh, uh, the canticle of the creatures. Laudato Si O mi Signore, praise be to you, O my Lord, for the gifts of the sun, the moon, the rain, the water, the fire, the animals. If we look at the spirit of St. Francis then, and also if we look actually at the wisdom and and as science becomes uh, more and more sophisticated in its understanding of so much of creation and the interaction between different species and uh, ecological uh, uh, and life processes, we hear more and more from the scientific community um, that each species in many ways has what we would call, has its own voice, has its own identity and has its own purpose. And being a church that practices this dialogue and this understanding and embrace of faith and reason, we look to the scientific community and say, that actually matches our theology, whether it's going back to Aquinas or St. Francis of Assisi, that creation does have voice and identity and purpose. It doesn't mean we hear animals talking, although, you know, kind of legendarily, that's somehow a gift that St. Francis might have um, had somehow, but certainly in deep communion with creation. Um, But what it means is that just like looking at the sun tonight and saying how magnificent, how it speaks of God's grandeur and glory, that's an example of the voice of creation, that it evokes a certain action or a certain response Different species of creation also have a voice in a sense that says, um, that points out um, kind of the underlying biological wisdom of their beneficial activity for other species around it so that they can live in greater mutual benefit to each other. So there's again, another example of voice of creation. Um, And when it comes to identity and purpose uh, in our theology and then also in science, we see that each species has this positive contributing role and sometimes that uh, contributing role might be a little bit gruesome on the scale of the food chain, um, but it's also uh, there are some species actually, and it's if you watch some videos on PBS or on, on YouTube sometimes, you'll see that certain species have grown to evolve and adapt to be in basically this perfect mutual benefit to each other. There's actually at the bottom of the ocean floor, there's um one type of uh, uh, uh one type of a very spindly kind of crab that's actually blind. And there's a fish that lives next to it that's basically it's guide fish. And it helps the crab uh, see around and guides it to where food sources might be. And then as the blind uh, spindly crab uh, splices up the food that's lying on the ocean floor, the fish eats the remnants that the crab doesn't eat. And they live in perfect relationship with each other. It's actually wonderful. Wonderful. So again, instead of it being uh, Laudato Si' being about divinizing nature uh, and animals, it's that creation has identity, voice, and purpose that's compatible with our theology and also with much of science. Um, Others uh, have said that Pope Francis may have bought into some bad climate science or a a bad brand of politically influenced uh, science. Perhaps I'd say, look at the wisdom uh, of the spirits movement in the church to say, what better timing for a Pope uh, of of Pope Francis's background as a trained chemist, a trained science. And if he's trained in the Jesuits, he's no slouch. Let's admit that. And also that the Vatican has one of the best observatories and scientific, uh, uh, you know, scientific labs in the world. And that that Vatican Observatory is not just there to once a year look up to the heavens and the alignments of the stars and the planets to determine when Easter falls, it's there as a legitimate scientific uh, entity, a scientific institution. Many of our Catholic colleges and universities around the world in this country, even in Ohio, have some of the best scientific uh, uh, research institutes um, that, uh, that science can afford us. Um, for those who would argue that uh, Laudato C is only based on the arguments about human-induced uh, or anthropocentric human-induced climate change, that term is only used in Laudato C 11 times. And yet the term relationship is used 67 times. So in terms of what is really at emphasis, it's not simply only about uh, the observations, the scientific observations about climate change, uh, but it's about the emphasis on relationship. And if we are in genuine, inspired, Christ-centered relationship with all of creation, then regardless of what our view is about the science of climate change or about some of the politics affiliated with it, we would still be acting in a very caring, responsible and relational way with the realities that creation and our planet are experiencing. We would still be acting in responsible and caring ways. The last uh, is that some people have pointed out that Laudato Si might be too critical. There is one line where Pope Francis says, if things continue on this trajectory on our planet, we risk areas of the earth turning into an immense pile of filth. Now, if you've traveled much internationally, especially to poorer parts of the world, you will see at times, or if you've traveled (laughs) along our certain highways and byways in this country where there are immense landfills, you will times at sea that immense pile of filth staring us in the face. But in other parts of the world, uh, there are uh, basically slum dwelling communities that live off of the scraps of waste and the sewage of um, the cities that they're around. Um, And there are these immense landfills and people are living off of trying to repurpose and recycle the scraps from that. So there are places in Latin America where Pope Francis is from, where he has seen those piles of filth getting worse and worse, not getting better and better and smaller and smaller. And that's in large part due to our rate and extent of consumption instead of finding a way to create as closer and closer to a zero waste economy which why can't something be built and manufactured and produced in a way that leaves less waste in the process that uh, reduces emissions in the process certain items would be more expensive but at the same time can we practice less consumption do we need to consume so much to the point where Pope Francis would refer to it and does in Laudato Si is, in many ways, the developed world is a throwaway culture, is a throwaway culture. That's actually a quote that he uses in relationship to our church's respect life ethic. Because if we treat people as expendable and unnecessary and unimportant in the eyes of God and in the human community, whether it's the unborn, the frail elderly, those with severe disabilities or mental severe mental illness, if we see people in some ways, or even those on death row, if we see people as throwaway, then what's gonna stop a a human being from throwing away any number of goods and productions and belongings? Um, And so he says our our life ethic has to filter into our uh, ethic of conservation, stewardship, and consumption. Oh, but then um but then even more so it's not just that pope francis does have that one line that sound might sound critical but there's uh, you know practical observation for where it comes from but much more of the voice of laudato si is based on awe it's a voice of awe and gratitude and thanksgiving and respect and beauty and care so much so much of the voice of laudato si is very very positive um but there are you know very honest uh, concerns addressed throughout laudato si To connect Laudato Si' and this care for God's creation to our Catholic uh, roots and our Catholic theology and some of our Catholic practices, well, first of all, starting with the person of God, the the Trinity, that God is creator, the the Lord of the universe, the author of all creation. Uh, Aquinas, if you read much of Aquinas, there's so much in there about connecting our uh, understanding of God, uh, our pursuit of contemplating God um, in light of contemplating creation. And what we can draw from that, well, he even says in his theology is that grace builds upon nature. Grace builds upon nature. In one of our parishes in the diocese uh, that also did a mass similar to this uh, in the fall, just a few years ago, the priest in his homily said these two lines that I'll I'll probably never forget. And it's wonderful to have those lines in a homily that are just so memorable. He said, nature reveals to us God's closeness. Nature shows us that God wants to be found. I think he might have actually said it in the reverse order. Nature reveals to us that God wants to be found. Nature shows us God's closeness. What a wonderful reflection and theology around nature, that nature reveals to us that God wants to be found. Nature shows us how close God is. The consolation that creation speaks of. In Laudato Si'. Uh, we see a line that says um, also that uh, if this, with this emphasis um, on the centrality of God and all of creation, another important reflection is that if we believe, and we do believe that God is real, we also have to believe that we are not God, as it says there in chapter sixty-seven, the or section paragraph sixty-seven. We are not God. That the earth was here before us, and it has been given to us. And really, what that implies is it has been given to us as a gift, as a gift. And gifts are meant not to be abused and misused or tossed away lightly, but to be cherished, reverenced, treated well, loved, respected, and made best use of. In our church's language about Christ, the eternal logos, the word of God, uh, whether it's in Acts of the Apostles or in Paul's letters or in our Eucharistic prayers, we talk about all things in Christ, the firstborn of all creation, who redeems not only humanity, but all of creation as well. And our Eucharistic prayers mention that, that all creation sings in praise of God, that all creation is meant to be redeemed and uh, returned uh, back to God in thanksgiving. The Holy Trinity is a wonderful example of the work of love and cooperation in creation. And in fact, the Trinity itself is the epitome of creative love, creative, generous love that's shared that shares life in communion and with a spirit of care. And look throughout scripture, whether it's uh, Genesis, um, the Psalms, as was mentioned in our first reading and in the psalmody um, or in the gospels or in Romans, if you uh, remember chapter eight, it talks about the creation of, uh, or the groaning of all creation. All creation is groaning for uh, um, life in God, for the fullness of its life in God and with each other. The fact that we practice the sacraments as a church, as a Catholic church, the sacramental theology behind the sacraments is that We live in a graced reality that not only the sacraments contain the grace that instituted by Christ and blessed by the Holy Spirit, but that that grace, the grace of the sacraments reflects the graced reality that we live in, that grace is all around us. It's really the DNA in some ways, we could say, the spiritual, the, 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 the spiritual and purposeful DNA that is tightly intertwined and interwoven with our biological DNA. And so, therefore, in each sacrament, there's some element of creation involved. The wheat of the earth, the fruit of the vine, uh, water, flame, each one of our sacraments, and also connected to uh, the creative act with you know human hands uh, involved, either in blessing or in offering. Um, so that our sacramentality uh, reflects such phrases um, in Laudato as in paragraph 236 in the Eucharist, all that has been created finds its greatest exaltation and its deepest thanks. Just beautiful, beautiful quotes that go back to what I mentioned about Theo poetry. And then along with that in the Mass, the Eucharistic prayers speaking about the union and redemption of all creation. And then I already mentioned as well about uh, that the, the common goods of the earth, uh, soil, air, water, that those are all universal goods as part of a shared commons. Um, that reflect our Catholic ethic that we refer to as the common good. What's the greatest good for all people? What's the greatest good for all life? Not just for the simple majority plus one, but what's the greatest good for all people, for all creation? Now there's a term in Laudato Si called integral ecology, it's a it's an important term to uh, you know get to know in Laudato Si' and to stick with those chapters. Uh, integral ecology, I believe, is the center point, especially of Chapter Four of Laudato Si'. And what Pope Francis points out is that the term ecology should not be simply limited to envir- the environmental realm or the realm of the natural world. That ecology really is a descriptive term about the relationship, the systems, and the networks of the, of the parts of that system, uh, therefore, if ecology is more about the relationships and the system and the network involved in uh, the relationships in between, then he says we actually have a number of ecologies that we are living out. Only one of which is the environment is the environmental ecology, and so there is the human ecology. What are relationships with each other that are impacted by our spiritual and moral ecology? What is the well-being of our spiritual life, our, our moral relationships, and our moral ethic in this world? What is our cultural ecology? Culture, for better or worse, our kind of default behaviors, the systems and beliefs and expressions, um, have either a positive or detrimental effect uh, on our human community and the world. We have a political ecology, um, and economic ecology, and then along with the environmental ecology. Now we could end up looking uh at those ecologies in this Venn diagram we could look at it for all if you looked intently at the overlapping circles and if you try to see through the top couple of circles you would see a lot of small subsections and if you and really that's a symbol of if those ecologies become fragmented if our human ecology is out of line with our spiritual and moral ecology, if that's out of line with our political ecology or environmental ecology or economic ecology, if those are out of line, then our ecologies collectively become fragmented. They're not working together in fulfillment of the human person and human dignity and human life and benefit of all creation. Uh, And so uh, in some ways now also then with a Venn diagram, some people might then focus on the area of overlap. The area right in the middle where that question mark is. But uh, a quote here about integral ecology that's, uh, that's telling about whether it is, whether the central part of integral ecology is that central overlapping space are the two, uh, the, the extended quote on both sides of the diagram or both sides of the slide. Pope Francis writes, we are faced not with two separate crises, one environmental and the other social, but rather one complex crisis which is both social and environmental, and that impacts all of these different ecologies. He continues, strategies for a solution then demand an integrated approach to combating poverty, restoring dignity to the excluded, and at the same time protecting nature. And I'm sure he also means when he's talking about restoring dignity to the excluded is that he's also talking about protecting and uplifting human life. So, if these uh, crises are connected and that the solutions need to be integrated, then what he is referring to really is basically what you can explain as the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. In integral ecology, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That when the ecologies are all working together for the benefit of human life, the human community, and all of creation in relationship with God, that the whole venture, the whole effort, all the systems and networks and processes of our relationships are working for the greater good of human life and all creation. So what we can say then about integral ecology is that it's about whole persons, whole persons. If each one of these is a part not only of human community, but each human person along with others, uh, when it's then that integral ecology would then be whole persons living in whole communities in holistic and just right relationships and ecologies with all of creation and implied there from our perspective in the church with God as well, with God as well. Whole persons living in whole communities in holistic and just right relationships and ecologies with all of creation. So that lets us get into the different chapters that I'll only mention just very, very briefly here, but to point out six chapters in Laudato Si, the first being um, what is happening to our common home? What is happening to our common home? And what Pope and what I would describe here is that in each chapter, I find actually a, a value or a principle that is part of a, what I would believe is a methodology that Pope Francis is suggesting to us for how to live out the spirit and heart of Laudato Si and integral ecology. And that in order to be open to uh, and understand what is happening to our common home, in chapter one, Pope Francis is saying, we have to be able to encounter creation we have to be in genuine encounter and relationship with creation. If we are in genuine encounter and relationship with creation, we have to be open to the realities that are happening to it. For better or worse, what are those realities that are happening to it? So we have to practice a spirituality and a, and a kind of a, a methodology of encounter. Um, that means we enter into the depth of creation. Chapter two, as I mentioned, is gospel of creation. And really what I would say is the value or the theme that's there is a practice of sacred listening and sacred seeing that it's not only about awe and awareness and attention from a contemplative and appreciative stance, it's also a form of contemplation, reverence, gratitude, and sacramentality that's expressed in paragraph 49, to hear both the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor, to hear both the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor, that those are two interconnected realities in our world, that this isn't simply an environmental circumstance, but it's also about what's happening in the human community, what's happening to the poorest of the poor, and if you go anywhere around the world, the people most impacted by climate change right now are the poorest of the poor, who have no resources to mitigate those circumstances, who don't have the technology and the education to know how to reorient their farming season in light of no longer having a rainy season and a dry season, but sporadic heavy rain downpours um, that uh, just completely throws off their um, food production cycle. So in poor countries, being less and less able to feed themselves, which only exacerbates the experience of famine and drought. So the poorest of the poor being the most adversely impacted by climate change. In chapter three, um, uh, Pope Francis, I would say, is um, suggesting to us an ecological conversion and repentance. That's a phrase actually from Pope St. John Paul II. He used it very, fairly frequently actually, that we have to go about an ecological conversion and repentance. And if we remember what conversion means when we reach Ash Wednesday and we talk a lot about Lord, oh Lord, change our hearts or turn our hearts. It's about an opening of our hearts and a turning of our hearts. So it's not saying change all your behaviors right now, but Pope Francis is saying, if we are in encounter and relationship with God's creation, then open your heart and let your heart be turned to the realities that are happening in the world and what we're called to do about it from Christ and the gospel. Chapter four, uh, based on integral ecology, the, the value or theme, there would be interconnectedness how do we see an interconnectedness to all these realities? Our level of consumption, our economic life, disparities between wealthy countries and poor countries, that all these realities are interconnected. And that reflects that ethic of integral ecology. As I mentioned before, chapter five is based on dialogue. And actually each subsection of that chapter is dialogue between faith and science, the international community of nations, uh, wealthy countries, poor countries uh, with indigenous peoples, um, all around the world. So how do we all enter into that dialogue, which means how do we include the local local people in poverty, the poor, the vulnerable, in our conversation about Northeast Ohio's ecology, our water systems and our food systems. Then chapter six, chapter six is a wonderful um, section that I'll refer to, that I would refer anyone who is a catechist, a parish staff member, the, the Social Concerns Commission, Chapter six is very much about a formational methodology. It's actually titled ecological education and formation or ecological education and spirituality. So Pope Francis actually has a number of ways of talking about or or emphasizing how do we talk about care for God's creation in relationship to our overall faith formation? How do we help with our young people to emphasize that this is part of the gospel? How many examples and parables did Jesus use based on aspects and experiences of creation? Then what about all the other aspects of our faith about sacramentality, how that connects us to the elements of the earth? So with those uh, six themes from the chapters, I would say that there's actually a methodology for how to live in relationship with God's creation, encounter, sacred listening, sacred seeing, being open to ecological conversion and repentance, interconnectedness, dialogue, and then ecological discipleship, solidarity, and hope. Two sets of images here similar to, well, the next slide will be more similar to the sunset this evening. But if we're, sac- if we're practicing sacred seeing and sacred listening and the realities of our world, we'll be honest about some of the fragile ecosystems in the world. And if you look at the center there, that's Lake Erie. And that foggy, shady green area is um, the reality of just a few summers ago, um, toxic algae bloom on Lake Erie. And we are one of the most water-rich areas of earth, and yet one of our cities, one of our neighbor cities, Toledo, couldn't drink its own water from Lake Erie for several days because of how severe the toxic algae bloom crisis was in the Western Lake Erie basin. Now that's partly a product of farm runoff and uh, and, and lawn fertilizers and some other uh, pollution, but in a warmer climate, when the lake and the waters are warming, it exacerbates the toxic algae bloom. And the toxic algae bloom then chokes off the oxygen, which then suffocates the fish in the lake. And so it's not as if these realities are disconnected from not only our food systems and our water systems, our water sources, but also just our sheer enjoyment of one of the most beautiful water resources on the planet, one of the most beautiful freshwater resources on the planet. It just shows how gentle and caring and intentional uh, our, our, our stewardship of these resources need to be. But then in contrast uh, to these challenging realities is to see grace in our reality as well. Look at that Lake Erie skyline on a beautiful day. I love backpacking and being in the mountains at times when I can get away a little bit because you know Ohio's a little flat. Um, and so you look over in the right-hand picture and, and just the, the image there uh, on a mountain peak looking out over the horizon, so beautiful. Uh, and the glimpse of planet Earth that shows that in some ways we are such a small a connected community as a, as a planetary community. And a sunset image in the lower left, and then children in another country playing in a field of flowers. Just how beautiful. So how important to see grace in our reality. Last thing I'll leave you here with is that um, I just think we only need to look back to our core cardinal virtues of faith, hope, and love, and a few quotes that tie those into how do we live in the spirit of Laudato Sea si and care for God's creation. So in the spirit of faith, care for creation is a Christian responsibility, as Pope Francis writes in section 64. If the simple fact of being human moves people to care for the environment of which they are part, then Christians in their turn realize that their responsibility within creation and their duty toward nature and the creator are an essential part of their faith, are an essential part of their faith. In the spirit of hope, Pope Francis near the end of Laudato Si encourages us to not be overwhelmed by these challenges, but to go forth in hope, in the joy of our hope and in union with creation. He writes, in the meantime, we come together to take charge or care of this home, which has been entrusted to us, knowing that all the good which exists here will be taken up into the heavenly feast. In union with all creatures, we journey through this land seeking God and let us sing as we go. May our struggles and our concerns for this planet Never take away the joy of our hope. In the spirit of love, Pope Francis urges us to realize that care for creation is essential to Christian virtue. He writes, We all need an ecological conversion, an opening, and a turning of heart, whereby the effects of our encounter with Jesus Christ become evident in our relationship with the world around us. Living our vocation to be protectors of God's handiwork is essential to a life of virtue. It is not an optional or a mere secondary aspect of our Christian experience. And therefore, I conclude, similar to how Pope Francis asks of us, what is the world needing from us and asking of us as Christians today, as Catholic Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ and his gospel? What is the world needing from us and asking us as Catholic Christians today? And Pope Francis phrases that question as, what kind of world do we want to leave to those who come after us? especially the children who are now growing up, which are our own children, our own grandchildren. So hopefully these are some good thoughts to start off this year of reflection on care for God's creation. I hope it helps explain some of the terms and uh, some of the rhyme and reason and purpose and theology of Laudato Si. Um, and thank you for your time and attention to um, helping explore together uh, Laudato Si. Uh, may it be a blessing to your parish experience and your life in Christ uh, throughout this year and, and the years to come.